All right. Wow, church, good morning. Thank you to Billy and the choir and all of those that were singing this morning for preparing our hearts for, for worship. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I was sitting there as they were singing, and I, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, all, every Christian may be somewhere different in, in their walk with God. Some, some are new Christians, some have been a Christian for a couple of years, some have been a Christian maybe for, for many, many years or decades. And, but I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, you know, I hope for Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, if you claim to be in Christ Jesus, I hope that when you got up this morning, that in your mind you did not tell yourself, I have to go to church today. I hope in your mind and your heart you told yourself, I get to go to church today. I get to go to church today. I get to go praise God. I get to go worship. I get to go fellowship. I get to go sing praises. I get to go give of my, of my tithe or my offering. I get to hear the word of God. I, I mean, th this, this is what it's all about. Amen. This is Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. This is an opportunity for us to, to come in. I mean, where else can you go during your week and, and you get to come in and sing praises? You get lifted up. You, you, you're an environment that, that's of love and of joy and restoration. It's an environment. We're not here to judge you. This is an environment for you to come and to, and to pray and to leave your, your situations at the cross of Jesus and to bear it all out to him in a way that, that only he knows knows anyway. So where else do you get this? Nowhere else. This, this is the, the pinnacle of the week. Amen? This is the day that we look forward to all week, whether it's been a great week, whether it's been a lousy week, whether it's been a week that has just brought you down. This is that moment and that opportunity that you come in and you just give it all to God and you praise God for the great things he's done. You praise God that he's with you through the storms. You praise God for all the situations that, that's going on in your life. And I know in all of our lives, there's not a, maybe there's not a lot of great things going on. But I promise you, in this life, you have two choices. You can live this life with Jesus, or you can live it by yourself in your own fashion, trying to find your own joy, trying to create your own treasures. And all those things do is rust and fade away. That's all they ever do. You know, I was listening to Austin this morning, and he was talking about his mom and, and how they would go and how they would, how they would shop for, for school, and he would get to go and he'd get his own stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, my memories are fading back to me, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, I always hated going back to school. And, it, and it, it wasn't because I didn't want to be around my friends. It wasn't because I didn't like the enjoyment of being in activities. My mom just did not have a fashion sense. And I look back at old pictures, and I'm like, no wonder kids made fun of me, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, shirts with flowers on them and shorts with flowers on them and little pockets and zippers. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, what, did I, what happened, you know. And so, Austin, God bless you, brother, that your mom lets you do that and pick out your own stuff because uh, many times that is just not. So you boys better be very thankful that uh, your mom has a pretty good fashion sense. And so, amen for that. And where's Dwayne? Dwayne, I know you're back there hiding somewhere. Uh, brother, listen, man. And Sunday night's going to be special. Um, get to ordain a new deacon. Amen. And so this coming Sunday night's going to be special. I've been, I've been putting all this together this week, and I've only got 100 questions for you so far. 
and, and so I know that you'll be prepared and, and, and uh, pass with flying colors. And so, but anyway, we look forward to that and, and to praise God and to be with Dwayne as he gets ready to start his uh, deaconship within our church body. Church, pray that you got your Bible or there is one in front of you as we get ready to dive into the Lord's Word this morning. Pray that you got your sermon outline that's in your bulletin. Go ahead and open that up as well. Get a pencil, get a pen out as we work through the sermon outline together. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. That's where we've been for several uh, weeks as we have been going through the books of Acts and seeing the transformation of the church. And not only do we see the transformation of how uh, of the church per se, uh, but we're seeing the transformation of the people. Amen. We're seeing the transformation of, of Paul and we're seeing the transformation of others that were around him. And now we're getting to watch as, as, as Paul goes out and, and he goes on these missions and we're seeing how the gospel is spread and how people are being changed. And so you can see the title of the sermon this morning, just three words, life-changing decision. Life-changing decision. You know, Mark Twain once said, the only person who likes change is a wet baby. I think we all know that if we've been through that a time or two. And it's no secret that, that we are creatures of habit. And for many people, especially in the church, we have a difficulty with change. And when it comes to a spiritual change, I firmly believe that God uses Christians as well as situations to get our what? To get our attention. So I want to read a little story to you. In 1912, John Harper of Glasgow, Scotland, was the newly called pastor of Moody Church in Chicago. So he headed to America with his six-year-old daughter, Nina, and her Aunt Jessie. John's wife had, had died when Nina was born. They, they were all excited to be on this maiden voyage to the great ocean liner ever built, the Titanic. There's a lot of stories from the Titanic. And when the ship hit the iceberg, Nina was saved in lifeboat number 11, sitting on her aunt's lap. Her, her daddy gave his life jacket away, stayed with the ship, and began to witness to anybody who would listen. Pastor John was one of the 1,522 people who died that night. Four years later, a man at a church meeting in Hamilton, Canada, gave his testimony. He said, I'm a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on a spar that awful night, the tide brought Mr. Harper of Glasgow also on a piece of the wreck near me. Man, he said, are you saved? No, I said, I'm not, he replied. Pastor replied, he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away, but strange to say, he brought him back a little later that night, and he said, Are you saved now? No, I said. I cannot honestly say that I am. The pastor said again, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And shortly after that, he went down, and there alone in the night, with two miles of water under me, I believed. And this is how the story ends. In order to save us, God sometimes touches us with a crisis, and he touches us with a Christian. You know, the man that we're going to read about today is much like this man in this story. He had no idea what it meant to be saved. He had no idea that he was lost, just like many people around the world today. He had no idea that he needed any type of spiritual change in his life, but something happened 
one night. Something happened one night around midnight when his very life was hanging in the balance that changed his life forever. Let's read Acts 16, 22 through 34. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he threw his sword or drew his sword. And he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be what? To be saved. And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And at that hour... Of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all of his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his home and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. And I want you to watch this. Not only did he believe, but it was he and his whole what? And his whole family. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for letting us be here today. Father, thank you for letting us, uh, giving us the strength to get out of bed, Lord, and to be in worship this morning. Father, we thank you for the songs that you have allowed us to sing. Thank you for allowing us to give, Lord, of our, of our tithes and our offerings this morning, dear God. Father God, Lord, you're with us each and every breath. You're with us each and every single day that we live, Lord. And Father, we just thank you today that we can be here and we can hear your word. And Father, we're, we're hoping today maybe somebody needs to make a life-changing decision. And Lord, maybe it's somebody that doesn't even know that they needed to be saved. Father, maybe it's a Christian, Lord, that's here that, and their testimony is hindering their ability to share Jesus with others. And so, Father, maybe there are some decisions that need to be made even amongst the believers that are here today. And so, Father, I pray right now that you open our hearts, Lord, and you open our, our ears, our minds, Father God, and let us to receive the word. And, Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit is already knocking on doors. Father, that he's already trying to let people understand their need of forgiveness, their need of a Savior. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for him, Lord, because if we win him, Lord, we, we have the ability to make a life changing decision. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. said amen. So here we are in Acts 16, and, and we see the Apostle Paul, and he is on his second missionary journey in the Roman colony of Philippi, or modern-day area of Greece. And so here's Paul and Silas, and they find themselves in quite a pickle. You ever find yourself in a pickle? 
And I don't mean eating one, amen. I mean, you're finding yourself in a situation that maybe you didn't know was coming. You're finding yourself in a situation that you never really could have foreseen. Well, this is the situation. And if you look at verses 22 through 24 again, here's Paul and Silas, and the Bible tells us that they were stripped, that they were beaten, that they were imprisoned because they had healed a slave girl of an evil spirit. And the problem is when they exercised the demon out of the girl, they also exercised the owner's income out of her demonic ability. And I want you to stop for just a moment, and I want you to think. And I want you to think about this really hard. Are you ready? Can you imagine getting stripped, beaten, flogged, and imprisoned because you just removed evil from among a town? You would think that the town would be happy. You would think that the town would be thankful. But that's not what happened, is it? These men that owned this slave girl, they didn't care about her. They didn't care about her as an individual or that she was demonized. All, all they cared was is they was making money off of her. So not only did these men become enraged, but they got the whole city of Philippi in an uproar. Notice what's going on in our country, if you follow me. They got the whole city in, a, in an uproar by saying that Paul and Silas were preaching against their customs as Romans. And if Paul and Silas could have looked at themselves in a the mirror, I, I'm sure there may have been a point when they probably could not even recognize themselves from the harsh beating that occurred. And the jailer took them, and according to verse 24, he put them in the inner cell, and he put stocks around their what? Around their feet. He didn't want them going anywhere. And can you imagine the conversation that probably took place between Paul and Silas that night? Paul may have looked at Silas and said, Man, brother, what a day. Silas may have looked at Paul and said, I knew I should have stayed at home. But something bigger was at work. See, many of us might have wallowed in our own pity and, and, and asking why and how did, did we ever find ourselves in this type of situation. But Paul and Silas used this situation to reflect their love and their trust and the mission that was in Jesus. See, Paul didn't see this situation as being a captive of men, but Paul saw this situation as being a prisoner of Christ and for Christ. And Paul himself knew that he was in this situation for a reason, and that reason is about to be unveiled. As you look at verses 25 through 30, there's a lot that happens in these verses. In verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas are heard praying and singing hymns to God. Can you imagine hearing songs and joy and praise coming from the bowels of an old jail cell where two men stood chained and bleeding and suffering? That's just the opposite of what you think you would hear, is it not? And in verse 26, it seems that Paul and Silas is singing, it brought down the house. Because an earthquake shook the very foundation of the prison, the Bible says the doors flew open and everyone's chains, what? They fell off. Now listen, my singing has been known to break a few windows. <laughs> the 
that I don't know that I've ever brought down the house. And in verse 27, the Philippian jailer, he woke up and he rushed in and he found the cells open. So he drew the sword to take his own life. He didn't see any other way around this. See, as a Roman jailer, he had one job. And that was to keep the prisoners locked up. And when he failed at that job, he knew that his life, he knew his life was on the line. But something miraculous happened. In verse 28, jailer, jailer heard a voice and it said, Don't harm yourself. We're all what? We're all here. Basically, we're all accounted for. Nobody left. Nobody ran away. And in verses 29 through 30, the jailer, he called for the lights. He, he rushed in and he felt trembling before Paul and Silas. He asked this life-changing question while trembling. Sirs, what must I do to be what? To be saved. Well, I'd love to hear that every Sunday. Amen. I would love to hear that every single day, every single Wednesday night, every night ending in why. I would love for people to come to the church and say, what must I do to be saved? So why in the world, let's just get personal, are you ready? Why in the world would a Philippian jailer want to know what it meant to be saved? The jailer had done nothing wrong. He could not control the fact that an earthquake had set these men free. Plus, all the prisoners, was, were, they were still there. So he did not lose one single captive. So why would this Roman jailer want to change? Why did this Roman jailer, all of a sudden, who didn't even know Jesus Christ, want to become a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, I believe that change had a process. And this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. Neil, are you ready? Number one, change can occur by what others hear coming from the mouth of who? Of you. Now, you cannot go through this sermon and not get personal. There's no way that you can go through this sermon and write these words in without it being a reflection of who we are right now in Jesus Christ. Not five years from now, not five years ago. I, no, 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 no. This has got to be now. This has got to be today because change can occur by what people hear coming from the mouth of Christians. Now, if I was a betting man, I would bet that before the jailer ever fell off to sleep, he probably heard the voices of Paul and Silas singing hymns and praise and prayers of petitions. And Paul and Silas had no idea what God was going to do. But they sang anyway because they were filled with what? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they believed that God had called them to that location for a reason, for a purpose. And the Bible tells us that singing and praying is a part of our daily lives as Christians. We talked about this Wednesday night in Bible study. If you missed it, you missed a blessing. Amen? You missed a great opportunity to come in and to hear the Word of God. Ephesians 5.19 says, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I did it on the way to church this morning. Turn my phone on, synced it up, listen to praise music. All the way to church. 
People that came by me thought, man, that guy's got a nervous tick. I'm sitting there on the steering wheel. I'm patting it, patting the dash. I'm listening to some music. The Holy Spirit was, was moving. Because I get to sing to God. I get to make joy in my heart. You know, there's a lot of Christians. You look around at people, and they just look so ill. They just look so mesmerized. They just look like the world has beat them down to a pulp. Man, if you're in church this morning, you've got a song to sing. If you're in church this morning, you have a reason to smile and to love and to laugh because God put the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, already you know this one, the Bible says to pray what? Pray continuously. Keep on praying. The Bible tells us in Psalm 104.33, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing and praise to my God as long as I live. I'm going to sing all of my life to God. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, no matter what I go through, or whatever, I, whatever comes my way, I'm going to sing and I'm going to make praises to my God. It's a commitment. It's a dedication. It's something that we decided to do at the moment that we said, Jesus, I want you in my what? I want you in my life, God. See, the issue didn't dictate their faith. Their faith dictated the issue. That's what happened. And one would think that it would have been relatively easy for Paul and Silas to be shouting words of anger and to be shouting words of hate. And let's be honest, if you turn on the TV, that's what you see. We're living in a nation that hate and racism and all these ugly things are spewing out of people's mouths. You know why? Because many of them have never had a heart change. Many of them have never given their hearts to Jesus Christ and because of that they live in the world and the world will tell you it's all about you. The world will tell you, step on anybody that you got to step on to get above. The world will tell you to hate your neighbor, not love your neighbor. The world will tell you to condemn your neighbor, not help raise up your neighbor. That's what the world tells us to do. It's a shame what's going on in our country with the hate and the division that's spewing out of the mouths of people. Hate is never, ever in Jesus Christ. Hear me and hear me well. That is not a reflection of who we are. Because if God loved them, let's think about this, because I hear this all the time. You ready? Well, if God loved them, how could they possibly be in this situation, right? If God loved them, there's no way they were going to suffer. If God loved them, there was no way they were going to be in persecution. If God loved them, the, their life should just be a rosy garden every single day that they lived. But let me say this. Sometimes God uses our circumstances to lift others up. Sometimes you're going to go through things in your life and people are watching. And by watching, sometimes you're going to lift them up. And let me ask you, are people hearing the words of praise and prayer coming from your mouth? Are they hearing it? The jailer and the other inmates, listen, they just didn't hear prayer and they just didn't hear song. But number two, you ready for this one? Change can occur by showing concern over other what's? 
over others' situations. Change can occur by showing concern over others' situation. So awakened by the noise of Paul and Silas's little mini-concert that they're having, as well as this earthquake to free the prisoners that brought down the house, the jailer stood trembling with thoughts of suicide. Suicide rate in this country is trending upward. Did you know that? We've been dealing with this from teenagers to young adults to older adults. It's hit home very hard for me this past week. And teenagers, I want you to listen. And children, I want you to listen. And adults, I want you to listen. Suicide is never the answer. God has a plan for your life. And your life is worth living. And when it gets to that point, when you think you cannot go on, please, please call me. Please reach out. Please have somebody to come and to pray with you and to help you. And to encourage you. This man, he thought, there's nothing else I can do. And so I'm just going to quit living. He drew his sword. He thought the prisoners had escaped. But not only did he hear Paul's voice, but he looked and he saw that all of the prisoners were right there. They were all accounted for. And how easy, I want you to think about this, how easy would it have been for Paul and Silas to have just tucked tail and turned and ran away? How easy would it have been for the other prisoners? I have no idea why they were in jail. How easy would it have been for them to run away? How easy would it have been for Paul and Silas to have sought revenge because of the persecution and the agony that they had been put through? But alas, they saw a Philippian jailer and he stood trembling, willing to take his own life. And Paul shouts out to him, don't harm yourself, brother. We're all here. Colossians 3, 12, the Bible says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Man, this country needs that. Amen. Billy Graham once said, he said, mountaintops are for views and for inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys. Fruit are grown in the valleys. And it seems Paul and Silas had grown the fruit of concern over the others instead of themselves, even though they were the ones that had been stripped and beaten and imprisoned. It's an amazing story. Let me ask you this question. How often do you put others' needs in front of your own? How often do you do that? Do people see you lending a hand in their time of need, or do people just see you ignoring the people that God puts around you? What do people see? This man was ready to take his own life, but when this Roman jailer saw that Paul and Silas had concern over his situation, something happened. See, this man didn't just hear the prayers and the hymns, and he didn't just see Paul's concern, but this is number three. You ready? 
Change can occur when others experience Jesus Christ through who? Through you. Change can occur when others experience Jesus Christ through you. The jailer experienced something that night that changed his life forever. He called for the lights. He rushed in. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer heard the hymns. He heard the prayers. He saw the concern that Paul and Silas had for them. He experienced love. He experienced compassion. He experienced forgiveness. This jailer knew there was something different about Paul and Silas, and he wanted to know how he could be like them. You know, many times as Christians, we understand that Jesus loves us. We understand that Jesus died for us. We, we, we understand that Christ rose again, that He gave us eternal life, but oftentimes we forget that we are the church, that we are His servants, that we are His light, and we are His reflection in this world that we live in. So does it matter what people hear from us? Does it matter what people see from us? Does it matter what people experience through us? Because we may be the only Jesus that people may ever what? See. You know, many people, they live with this uh, philosophy. They, they live with this mantra for say, well, I don't care what others think about me. Well, you know you should. You really should. Because that's no way to live. Now, we, 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 not, we may not be able to help sometimes what people think. But you should care how, how, how you feel, how you are living in the sight of God. Amen? You, you should care about that. For this Philippian jailer, he, he received his answer to his question, Sir, what must I do to get saved? And look what they said. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? And you'll be saved. And not just you, but your whole what? But your whole household. Isn't it amazing what happens to families that have fatherly Christian men? Isn't that amazing what happens in the home when children see a man of God? And I want to tell you right now, our homes need men of God now more than ever. They don't just need your money, Dad. They don't just need your expertise in changing brakes. They don't just need your expertise in, in how to fish. They don't just need your expertise on how to grow a garden. They don't just need your expertise on how to pitch a baseball. They need us being men of faith and showing them who we are, by what we say, and our actions. And because the Philippian jailer, he heard, he saw, he experienced Jesus, not only did he wash the wounds of Paul and Silas, but he believed in Jesus. He was baptized along with his whole family. He fellowshiped with them. And then in verse 34, it says he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So I want you to think about this, because here's the point that many times it's over, it, it gets flipped over in, in, in this scripture. The chains of the prisoners weren't the only chains that came off that night. 
See, the change of sin, those chains had, had been loosened. They had been undone for the jailer, and not just for the jailer, but his whole family had been set free. Amen? His whole family. So church, let me ask you, when people look at you, what do they see? Because of Paul and Silas and the example that they set, this Philippian jailer, he let the work of the Holy Spirit convict him of his sin and his need of a Savior. And this morning, maybe, maybe this sermon is more about a needed change in our own lives. Maybe that's what it's about. See, see, people have to see Jesus in us in the way that we speak and the way we have concern and the way that we interact with others. If someone followed you around this week and they listened to you and they saw what you were involved in, they saw the way that your home structure is, they, 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 they just watched you all week long. Let me ask you this question. You ready? Would your life and would your testimony, would it be able to lead somebody to Jesus? Or would they just see that for you, Jesus is the crumbs? The church is this something we do if we have time. That we know, will it always be there next Sunday? If someone followed you around, what would they see? What would they experience? What would they hear? Because church, I want to tell you right now, my, my job is not to entertain you. I want to see people get saved. I want to see people have a life-changing decision like I did when I was 11 years old. I'm not saying my life has ever been perfect because it's not. See, Jesus don't call us to be perfect. We're saved by the perfect one. Jesus just tries to call us to be obedient, to be faithful, to mature in our walk with God. If you're here this morning and you tell yourself, you know, I've been a Christian for 15, 20 years, and my walk with God is no more mature than it was the day I got saved. Well, brother or sister, I'm going to tell you, you need to come and pray. And I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you the truth. You need to come and you need to pray and you need to rededicate your life back to God. Sister, maybe that's you. Maybe church is just convenience. It's a feel-good moment for you during the week. And you know, right now, your walk needs to mature. You know that you're just kind of coasting by in your walk with God. Let me ask you, do you want to see people get saved? Do you want to see people have life-changing decisions? Then it starts with every single one of us in this church. It starts with every single one of us. Every single one of us has a job to do. How are you doing that job? Where are we at? So this morning as Billy comes and we have our time of invitation, this isn't a time for me to stand up here in my little two-piece suit because I'm going to tell you right now, I could preach in a t-shirt just as good as I can in this. This means nothing to me. Nothing what means something to me is you. What means something to me is families being healed. 
What means something to me is kids and youth having their lives changed for the better, not the worldly change, but godly change. Do you want that? I'm going to challenge you this morning as we stand and as we sing. This is your altar. This is your invitation.